you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I want to thank you for making Locked On Indians your first listen today and every day, free and available on all podcasting platforms, apps, etc., I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, now all of Locked On. Uh, today's show, I've, if you're sitting there going, hey, weren't you going to talk with Javi? Uh, schedules are hard. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I have about an hour and 15-minute window every day to record in, and that's record, edit, upload, research, get everything together. Uh, in that window, it's it's got to land right. Uh, it's just the way it is. I am the, I am the problem. It is not Javi. It is me. Uh, and... Okay, so you might have noticed a lot of our podcasts on here go and do the YouTube, and I used to do the video. You might have noticed I've stopped doing the video. The problem is we share rooms if you're in a city. So, for instance, in Cleveland, it's the Cavs, it's the Browns, it's the Indians, it's also the Big Ten, and it's Ohio State. And there is one room, and everyone has to record daily using that. And that is why I don't do video anymore, because I just, I can't. I can't thread that needle. I don't have that opportunity in the day. Uh, I leave work, I pick up a kid. I spend time with the kid, uh, we do dinner, we do bedtime, I have a four-year-old who does not go to bed easily, uh, and by the time everything is done, wham, bam, thank you, bam, if I am lucky, uh, it's 8.30, and I have to then be up, uh, you know, a little before, a little after six, I should say, so it's trying to get sleep, get things together, oh yeah, and then there's the baby that at some points I'm going to hop in for, so that's what happens. That's life. That is the behind-the-scenes look here. That's part of the reasons why I was trying to find a co-host. Uh, unfortunately, it just did not work out on any level. Because uh, even when I had two co-hosts, this show was never... I've always been the the downloader, the hoster, the uploader. I've always had to do all the legwork. Um, who knows what is going to happen, if anything will ever happen. Uh, what I do know right now is we have a baseball trade. And it's kind of interesting uh, that trade occurred today, and the timing of that is definitely something you should pay attention to, because the trade, you know, on this very podcast, I talked about previously uh, the whole idea that uh, Tucker Barnhart is someone the Reds should look to trade, that catching is hard to find, and even though he's going to make almost $8 million, there'd be some value out there. I might have overestimated his value, if we're being perfectly honest. I really like Nick Quant. Quintana as a high school player. I really liked him coming out of Arizona. Now, I will give the caveat. We often look at guys from like New Mexico and New Mexico State and talk about, oh, that's a very hitter-friendly environment. We should probably put that same uh, label on guys from Arizona and Arizona State. Like that environment, we've seen a lot of guys hit really well there, and it doesn't translate. Uh, it's, it's one of those things I think we should be equally as aware of when you get right down to it. Now, I say that because, man, it has not gone well for Quintana. Let's just be perfectly honest. Uh, it has not. He has not played well. This was a really bad year for a guy who's 23 in an A-ball. Uh, very minimal given up. Now, he is a former second-round pick You know, back in 2019. The Red Sox made a real run at him back in 2016 as an 11th-round pick. He has been someone who has been on the radar, liked by a lot of people, myself, 
Uh, you know, I saw Taylor Blake Ward, my good buddy, tagged me in a tweet uh, when the trade happened. That's how I first saw it. And he still has fans, and, and it's interesting in that regard. But doing this trade this quickly tells me the Reds were looking to get this trade done before they had to exercise the option. There's a good chance they would not have even bothered to exercise the option. Like, I, I thought they would no matter what, but maybe it's because of the uncertainty of the CBA. Uh, they're taking a gamble on a guy who hasn't been good in a while. Now it's a guy who has, you know, long track record. Uh, has you know, There's still a chance for, like, a upside utility bat, third baseman. Uh, from the Tigers' perspective, hey, they're getting a solid catcher. They're getting a very solid catcher who they can plug in and they don't have to worry about. For the Reds, Tyler Stevenson's ready to go. Uh, and like I said, they, they get a guy to gamble on. It's it's interesting to see. It's just exciting to see something happen. Like, I, I got me juiced just seeing that uh, a baseball trade happened at all. I was like, okay, floodgates, and, and it wasn't. Uh, you know, we after that, it was just like, the guys who are being let go. Um, you know, it, I even see that uh, over here in uh, MLB trade rumors that, uh, you know, them talking about how we must align our payroll to our resources was the Reds comment now remember last year the Reds had the similar issues when they let Archie Bradley go for nothing just waved him after trading for him and then got almost nothing in return for Rossiel Iglesias like this is somewhat similar to the Iglesias situation where they're not able to get much value in a guy in the final year of his contract and they're just almost looking to get out from you know any requirements anything to go with it i'd have to look at barnhart to see if there's a buyout but it almost feels like they were just hoping to avoid the buyout like the indians were last year when they waved brad hand this is their yeah 500k buyout i mean they might have been looking to avoid that this is a very minimal return i do like quintana i do think he's an interesting get chances of him being a big leaguer are less than 10 percent at this point in time maybe he rebounds for barnhart you know he's been a solid borderline starting catcher is that worth eight million that's kind of up to you to decide you know good defender bat is suboptimal but at the catching position it's, it's closer to average uh, two-time gold glove winner uh so you're going for that like they have a young pitching staff they're getting a solid defensive catcher there's much worse things a team can do with a lot, little less than eight million dollars so yeah tiger's already starting uh when it comes with how they're going to set up and uh, attack for next year. The other maybe big bit of information might be counting as uh, the Phillies. So Ab Abdullah Herrera was the most obvious declined option in all of baseball with uh, the off the field and on the field. Uh, he turned from great rule five pick into, uh, you know, player you probably didn't even want to carry. Uh, the uh, the bigger name, though, was that uh, McC Andrew McCutcheon is going to get a $3 million buyout rather than be paid $15 million. And I get that. He's 34 years of age. A little bit better. I mean, a 109 OPS plus. The, the production, I mean, let's be honest. Since about 2017, it's pretty markedly declined. Honestly, since 2015, that last All-Star year, he had a typical aging curve. You know, he hit in his early 20s. He was fantastic. That, you know, won the MVP in 2013. Had that great run in there. And then he got to about 29 and started to hit a wall. Now, even once he's hit the wall, he's been an above league average bat for his career. I need to go look at his Savant data just to see if, like, how the defense holds up. I don't know 
what a McCutcheon costs. I don't know what he gets in the market as he is you know, an older player at this point in time. He's not, he's not the guy he once was. You know, he, he's not even remotely close to the guy he once was, if we are being honest. But he can still hit. He can still come in and be better than what uh, the Indians have. Now, he's, he's a left fielder all the way right now. He is a switch hitter. Uh, his overall data uh, defensively was pretty bad. He's a bad defender as a left fielder. He actually has a pretty good sprint speed, chase rate, walks a lot. Uh, expected weighted on base isn't bad. Barrel percentage is okay. Uh, but defense is, is poor. Uh, average exit velocity is poor. He's not going to get a hold of a lot of them uh, with that. So I don't know. Like, Do you really want to be paying him in his age 36 year? I guess is my question. I get why the Phillies decided they could spend that $12 million better other places. Do you, I mean, do you even want to offer him Eddie Rosario money? He's about as good of a defender anymore as Eddie Rosario. It's very close in advanced metrics. Uh, he's going to be, like I said, he, I believe he's already 35. Uh, yes, he'll turn he turned 35 in October. So it's his age 35 year, not his age 36 year. But for his age 35 year, do you want to give him $8 million and hope that he's a 109 OPS plus instead of like the 102 he was in the shortened year or the 100 he was in the year before that? Uh, I'm sorry, it was a 116 before that. 102, 109, 116. Uh, you know, it's it's been a pretty steady decline. He's not the guy I'm willing to bet on right now. That's just my kind of view. I I just I'm never <laughs> unless he's willing to take like under five million dollars, um, because he's already getting three from the Phillies. He's I'm not betting on thirty five year olds. That's just my general view and situation when I'm evaluating players, prospects, and the like. We're going to take a commercial break. We're going to come back and talk about uh, the Mets, Francisco Lindor, Steve McNeil, and uh, what is brewing there. And that sponsor today is betonline.ag. Let's go see what's on the front page of betonline.ag today. Remember, when you do go there, uh, they have you covered across all sports, casino games, live betting, esports, poker. It's all there at BetOnline today using the promo code Locked On to get a 5050% bonus. Let's click on sports. Let's go do some digging and see what sports you can bet on. What is under the odds? You like horse racing? You like hockey, golf, football, boxing, basketball, baseball, martial arts? Let's click on martial arts. Let's go for the one. That's MMA. I should have known that. Uh, Soccer, tennis, other sports. What falls under? Aussie rules, cricket, auto racing, entertainment, financials, handball, lottery, politics, rugby league, rugby union, snooker, table tennis. Uh, what's financials uh the final digit in the dow jones will it be even an odd i mean you can you can really get <laughs> deep on this lottery it, november 6th first number odd or even anything you can imagine you'll find it over at betonline.ag our official sports sponsor our official sponsor for all things of the like go there using the promo code locked on and get your five zero fifty percent bonus on your first deposit who doesn't want free Money to spend. Go check it out for yourself at betonline.ag, promo code locked on. So this story with Lindor and uh, McNeil is nuts, and it was nuts at the time, this whole uh, raccoon farce uh, that occurred. And it's now it's like supposedly like that, that wound, that situation is not healed. Those two do not get along at all. Jeff McNeil, uh, you know, it was a down year for him. 
Now what's interesting is that outs above average, still 88th percentile. He's a good defender, be it at second base, be it in the outfield. He had a good year there. Not the fastest dude. He does not strike out. He doesn't walk a ton. Uh, you go before this year, though. I mean, he was 2020 was middling for him. Uh, 2019, he was awesome. He's never been a big guy who hits the ball super hard. He doesn't barrel it a ton. There's a lot of things he doesn't do well. He's not a traditional stat guy necessarily, but one thing is he's always avoided the strikeouts, and he's been able to be productive. I mean, that just bottom line for him is this guy has been pretty consistently productive, and they can't trade Lindor. I mean, his contract makes him untradeable. McNeil is... 2021, 22, 23, and 24. Four years of team control. Four years can play second base or outfield. Uh, you know, before this, let's talk about runs created plus of 136, 144, 131. This year, a 91 in a situation where uh, very clear he was not getting along with the teammate. It was not a happy situation for him. A lot of things went awry. Now, outside 2019... We had 23 home runs. Again, power is really not his game, but he does get on base. You know, it's a career on base percentage of, uh, you know, this past year, 317. Before that, it was 380 every single year. So his total is a 360. Does a lot of things well. And his war, 2.7, 4.6, 1.2, half. Your perfect time to buy, right? This is the Indians' distressed asset special. 79 games at second, 28 and left, 2 at third, 2 at DH. I mean, I would be calling tomorrow. 29 years of age. You're going to get him through those middle years uh, of his early 30s. Now he could be, we just talked about McCutcheon. Maybe he is in decline. Maybe this is the beginning of a drop-off. But since he's arbitration eligible, if he starts to fall apart, guess what? You just let him go. You're not committed or married to the guy. He debuted at you know a late age. He was 26 years of age when he made his debut. He's going to turn 30 in April, so you're looking at, like, you know, essentially age 31, 30, or 30, 31, 32, and 33 year of control. You don't need to worry about an extension for this guy. By age 33, you're probably going to be willing to let go of most players. Uh, you know, the, the data was so good before this year. Did not get along with Lindor, which, frankly, honestly, that's a bonus if you're the Indians. That's, like, you're not going to advertise that, but with the way the fan base has reacted to Lindor... That is something that might actually make him more liked in Cleveland. Would the Mets move him? I think they have to consider it. If he is really, if those that's still a situation between him and Lindor, then he's got to go. Uh, they likely, I think, you know, when I'm trying to project out with what they are going to do in free agency, I think they bring back Javi, who's him and Frankie are friends. Javi's at second. Their outfield, what they need is a center fielder. Nimmo is a corner guy. Dom Smith is a corner guy. McNeil is right now a corner guy. Uh, Nimmo, I just want to double check, make sure that maybe he didn't have a breakout that I didn't expect. I mean, Khalil Lee, we talked about his performance in minors. Like, he should get a shot to be their center fielder. Uh, But this is another situation where, you know, it's a team with a need defensively in center field. I was talking with Joe Doyle, who, uh, you know, is a prospect guy. I believe he's with Prospects Live. But, you know, he's a guy who knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. He's connected to the Mariners. And I was just like, Kyle Lewis, what's the story there? Do you think they'd be willing to move him? Oh, I guess Nimmo was okay in center last year. That's a first. 88 for outs above average. Before that, he was four. And then 
only has an 85 in 2018, but I believe he was mostly playing left field. So maybe Nimmo is passable there now. Maybe they can get away with Nimmo in center. I, I need to look at some other stats-based things to kind of see how how he was viewed. That would be a pretty about pretty big you know shift for him based on what we've seen. But Doyle was talking about this. You know, I was like, well, would they trade Kyle Lewis? Because you look at the Mariners and their setup, and we already discussed this on the show. But with Julio being close, with already having Kalenic or Kelnick, Kelnick, uh, Kelnick. Julio, uh, yeah, they have Taylor Trammell, they've got some other young pieces, I'm blanking on one of their other outfielders, but what they really need is a true center fielder, he's like, I could see Lewis for Miles Straw plus, and I'm like, oh, the Indians have coveted Straw for years, and not trading him, besides, they, they have nothing to replace him, really, he goes, well, what about Zimmer, and that's what I get from a lot of places, what about Zimmer, because the advanced stats are good, you need depth, he seems like a, you know, a guy that, I know in Cleveland, we are tired of Zimmer, but there is trade value in, in Zimmer right now because he can handle center field and he can handle it well. He is a strong defender and he's big and he's strong and he runs fast. And you look at all the advanced stats and you're like, this should fit together. This should work. It, it hasn't, but there's enough intrigue that maybe you could figure out a trade. Now, like I said, if Nimmo can handle center for them, uh, then they could look at you know an outfield or maybe they want a bigger bat. Uh, maybe they think about J.D. Davis out there, which means they'd need a third baseman. Would Jose Ramirez, if the Indians aren't going to re-sign Jose, there might be, the Mets, even after everything they've done, would still probably make sense for a Jose Ramirez landing spot. One, they could afford to pay him. Two, they have some pretty elite prospects still. Three, uh, you know, we know the Latin players there would push for him. Four, they got an owner who loves to make such deals. Now, I like Francisco Alvarez, but you know me. I'm not going to push for a guy who is in high A. Anyone who has him ranked as one of the top 10 prospects in baseball to me right now is insane. Like, I'm never going to put a guy who's never played above double A in the top 10 prospects in baseball. That is just my rule. That is how I operate. But you look at Brett Batty, Ronnie Mauricio. Those are guys that really stand out. Uh, You know, we talked about Mark Vinitos as one of the potential uh, sleepers in that series I was doing. Uh, Mauricio's... Maybe I'm wrong here. What was Batty's time in Double A? And he hit well, and he walked a lot, and there was some power. Uh, the only issue with Batty is like he was super old, even in his draft class for a hitter. He wasn't quite Trevor Rogers old in his draft class, but he was still pretty old. I, you know, maybe I should cool a little, but I, you could probably still work something out. Let's be honest. I, I'm not maybe as high on Francisco Alvarez because I just don't trust uh, guys with very short track records. But there, there could be something there. But in general, I'm not going to be pushing. I'm saying but way too much. But I'm not pushing about Jose Ramirez trade. But McNeil in this situation, like I said, stock has never been lower, which you might say, well, why would they want to move him? Because he does not get along with the guy they're paying $350 million. Uh, you got a star. You want to make your star happy. You're hoping, hey, I mean, both these guys had bad years. Both these guys had career worst years. Uh, could they have gotten along so poorly? I mean, it's, they must have gotten along extremely poorly if this story just resurfaced. How many months later, where Francisco grabbed him around the neck? Uh, you know, it was too... I mean, McNeil was the dude for the Mets. Then Frankie came in and stepped into the alpha role, and it seemed like there was an alpha off between the two of them, and it did not go well, and it's continued to go poorly might have led to both of them having career-worst years. And there's a lot of reasons, but it seems like it might have been a portion. Absolutely. 
you know, before this, there was no issue with McNeil. Uh, you you call the Mets and you see if it uh, like the other thing for this Mets team. I look at them starting pitching. Dave Peterson. I've liked him in the past, but he was unhealthy this year. Tyler McGill is currently one of their starters. Carlos Carrasco who's in the final year of his contract and really struggled last year in limited innings. Tejon Walker, who's another guy who's not the healthiest. And Jake DeGrom, again, health, uh, not always there. Uh, pitching. This could be a team that trades for pitching. This is the time where I get to be a hypocrite and say, you know what? I would consider trading Zach Plesak for, for Jeff McNeil. They get a guy who has been extremely healthy, which their pitching staff needs. I mean, you look at Stroman as a free agent. DeGrom was great, but he pitched 15 games. Uh, in terms of who started, uh, Walker had 29. And in 29 starts, 30 games, his war was 1.4, not even league average. Uh, Miguel was at 0.6 in 18 starts. David Peterson in his 15.3. Uh, Rich Hill came in and gave him 12. Karat. Carrasco gave him 12 and was 0.1, so he's essentially replacement for, for them last year. And then uh, Joey Lucchese probably won't pitch for him next year after having Tommy John, uh, what, partway into the season. So they don't have any pitching they can count on. I mean, just in general. Like, who are the... If I look at FIP here, not the good version of FIP, like, who are the ones? Like, Aaron Loop was great, but he's a free agent. Edwin Diaz actually had a nice rebound year. Uh, Trevor Williams was not bad as a starter for them. Uh, if DeGrom is healthy, you feel good about him. But for his career, uh, you know, maybe this is one of those things where I'm misidentifying and thinking. But I feel like he's not had a lot of 30-start seasons. Uh, and I'm wrong. It's just that... I guess with 2020, uh, you had the 12, which isn't a typical amount for that short year. The 15. Before that, he was pretty steady. So I'm just a moron. Uh, that shouldn't surprise anyone out there. But if he comes back, great. If he rebounds, you have DeGrom, and you don't have much else that you can count on. So, yeah, would I do police act for McNeil in a heartbeat? Um, make Eli Morgan the five. I'm willing to, to run that deal uh, out there and do that. Now, with the Mets... Maybe, especially if they feel like uh, this is a situation where they need to move on and getting a starter they can count on, plug and play, great. Uh, let's, before, you know, we're going to take a quick commercial break here, come back, we'll run it through the trade machine, which, again, it's not great, but it's something. See what they think. So I jumped over to the trade value site, and before I jumped there, I was like, you know what, McNeil is having a down year. He's entering his 30s. I bet that Police Act, because you're getting, what, five years of control, he's not even arbitration eligible yet, uh, and he's a proven five. If nothing else, we know Police Act is a big league starter, and that is hard to find. And again, he did miss some time with injury, but he's he's been relatively healthy. He's got a lot of control, and he has shown points of higher ceiling. I, I don't think many people expect him to revisit what happened in 2020. But he is a solid guy. I was thinking, I bet you it's not even even trade. And I went over to trade value, and that's correct. Now, the trade value site, to uh, get to Plesak, a little bit more than Plesak would be McNeil plus J.D. Davis. Um, sign me up tomorrow. Let's, let's do that trade. Let's do that right now. Let's go get J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil uh, on the Cleveland Indians. Let's put, you know, J.D. Davis... Uh, 
at first base. Have him just he can he can stay there. That sounds good to me. Uh, you can put McNeil out there in uh, in left field, and then we can have uh, Straw in center. Let, let's just do a quick lineup construction of what this team could look like. So just to, to maybe make an optimal lineup only after this trade. This is assuming that nothing else happens. We have Straw in center field leading off. Number two hitter, Jeff McNeil. He did play in 2019, 38 games in right field. So we're going to put him in right field right now, again, to get to optimal lineup. Uh, J-Ram hitting third. Then you have Fran Mill, DHing. J.D. Davis in left. He has it's the only outfield position he has played. Again, this is optimal lineup. The Indians have nothing in the outfield. Put Davis there. And again, a team is willing to run the defenders. They have run out in the corners. Guy, I mean, Josh Naylor can't play outfield. He played there. Domingo Santana can't play outfield. He played there. He is your five. Again, and now the one knock I should also point out is he's getting a torn ligament in his hand. So that does bring down a likeliness of trade in general. But guy has just hit. He's consistently had multiple years of control. I'm still willing to do this deal. Uh, after Davis and left, you have Ahmed Rosario batting sixth as your shortstop. League average bat in the sixth spot. Seventh hitter, Naylor or Bradley? Pick one. Again, just going for what's on roster right now. Whoever you trust, whoever you think it could be, if Naylor's healthy, if you believe in Bradley's power, seven. Instead of hitting like five, move that bat down to seven. Either one of those guys a lot more interesting. Their hedges, eight, or whoever they have a catcher, nine, Jimenez. Of course, now we could also then go and figure out a lesser trade with the Cubs to get Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. Because I've talked about it, you know, if, if Joey Cantillo, I'm 100% sure he's going to be unprotected, he will be taken. Left A lefty reliever whose velocity jumped this year when he returned from injury, it's easy to hide. Like, he could be a starter, you could develop him. There is no chance Cantillo does not get selected. I, I think that's, you know, very easy to do. I, and the Indians are in a situation where, you know, the big debate, I'll eventually maybe get to the piece that I've been saving about Steve Kwan. It's like Kwan versus Palacios. Palacios is playing too well in the AFL to ignore. Uh, Kwan was <laughs> amazing this year, but I don't think they're going to protect seven guys. Uh, it seems like it's going to be Palacios or Kwan, not both. So they're in a situation where it's like if you are the Cubs, it's like Steve Kwan could be really interesting. Uh, Jose Tenia, we like. Cantillo, that's great. You know, they're now these are all just rule five options the cubs could stash a few and get the guys they know and they like there is a chance yeah you can buy rule five picks essentially you can pay a team to take someone for you but uh there might be a team who decides that they like a guy too much and not going to take that risk or honestly they'll probably be competing against the pirates for talent so if you want to get your guy there is some value in trying to maneuver around but taking what we talked about here imagine if then they added a, a hap or a um uh, a Contreras to this or just you know what they have here and in, in modifying it for effectiveness with in terms of positional values but it makes it a lot more interesting doesn't it it makes this lineup flow a lot more and you know I'm just completely betraying everything I've said in the podcast for months but I guess if I can get two bats for one pitcher then I have to consider it uh, especially because both those bats at peak are uh, plus plus I mean these are guys talked about McNeil is an all-star when he is a happy and healthy he has been a very consistent you know three to 4.6 win player in 2019 4.6 wins that's with negative defensive value that is with him playing a lot of right field that year and if you look at 
JD Davis, just in terms of what he has done in his runs created plus since he's had those opportunities. It's the one good trade that uh, was made by the GM. Uh, 137, 118, and then 130 this year. Uh, he has been awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome as a hitter. Uh, I'm, I'm, and again, torn ligament in his hand, having surgery to replace it, probably makes it hard to trade him. But it's also that situation where maybe you get the guy because the other team's not sure, and he's in going to be accelerating arbitration values, and no one knows what's coming up. All of a sudden, if the CBA changes and there's a DH, uh, the Mets are going to need more bats. That makes them less likely to do those trades. I mean, it's going to be hard to navigate anything. With the, who knows what's going to happen with the CBA? But I am—I uh, don't know. That—that's a trade. Tell me what you think. Would you do that? Would you trade Plesac for McNeil and Davis? Do you think the Mets do that? Uh, am I crazy? Am I not crazy? You know, looking at just what we know. It's the off season is slowly beginning. We had one barely trade. We had some releases of one of note. And we'll just continue digging through it all. We're going to find information. We're going to try to find ways to improve this team. You know, if you've listened to me from the beginning, all 600 plus episodes now, I mean, I was talking about Miles Straw for the last three years. I was focused on him. He was a guy that came up repeatedly. Uh, you can go through and find my data on how much I talked about Sean Murphy before his breakout. Remember all of my talk last year about Walsh, the uh, Jared, I believe Walsh was the first baseman at the Angels. I'm having a mind blank moment where it's like, this is the guy I would go for. This is the guy that uh, I would see if you can get from the Angels for uh, for pitching last year. I was like, I wonder if we could do Carrasco for Walsh. I think I mentioned that specifically on the show. You can go and find that. Uh, occasionally going through this data, trying to find that deep sleeper, you find it. You find a guy and you make a dive. Now, these aren't deep sleepers. These are proven players. Uh, the age and the injury are the concern. But uh, if you're the Cleveland Indians, got to do something. you got to figure out a way to make this lineup a little less putrid. Eventually, we're also going to get into the Ahmed Rosario of it all. Because more and more, I do not think he is with this team come uh, spring training. We'll get into that later this week. Uh, we have we should be recording with Jave tomorrow uh, for the... Uh, let's see, this is Wednesday show, correct? So that would be... Nope, this is Thursday show, so that will be for Friday. So maybe we'll do... Uh, at some point next week, we'll do another mailback. I've already been stocking up questions. Make sure to send the, more of those in. And we're going to just do the shortstop class. I'm going to project where I think guys are going, how the shortstop class is going to hammer out, and then what that opens up for Ahmed Rosario is the Indians look to trade a guy who is their shortstop. They really want you to know he is their starting shortstop. You know, he is not just a, a random infielder. He is their starting shortstop, and they really want you to know that for a reason. And that reason, I believe, is trade value. So stay tuned to uh, for that next week, as well as my conversation with Javi on tomorrow's show. Thank you again for listening, making Locked on Indians your first listen today and every day, available on all podcasting platforms. The Cavs won. Go check out Locked on Cavaliers. They're an exciting team. They're definitely one of the more exciting. With all the negativity around the Browns, the Indians, and their own situation, the Cavs might be the most exciting team in Cleveland right now. Uh Want to remind everyone, rate and review, that helps. Download daily, that helps. I don't think we've had an iTunes review in like three months. So if you haven't done one, I don't use iTunes, so I can't leave a review for myself there. But if you do use iTunes, just quickly do that. Do us that favor. Uh, again, I've been Jeff Ellis. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Send me mailbag questions. Nathan, I am not ignoring your DMs. Eventually, I'm going to use those as part of a mailbag. I will get back to you on those. So uh, if you hear this, let me know. 
Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. Again, thank you for listening to the Locked Indians podcast. And as we say now, go, go, Guardians, go.